This is Psalms to God, Season 3, Episode 12, The Great Flood. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, CSB. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Re. Today, we're talking about the flood. The flood is probably the most commonly shared story within cultures or across cultures. Pretty much every culture in the world has a version of the flood. Some of them differ widely and some of them are very, very similar. And so, most of you are probably not surprised that this topic is coming up as we're talking about common knowledge and things that everybody seems to know, but we couldn't just skip over it. I mean, I figured most people do know that this is a commonly held uh, story, but I did want to talk about it. I did want to talk about one, why I think it is so common. Two, I wanted to go over some of the differences and similarities that exist across cultures, um, and in some cases talk about why I think those similarities exist or why those differences exist. Um, And I just wanted to remind people about the telephone effect. Um, If you're like me when I was a kid, we had to play this game called telephone, and basically it would start with one person, you'd like line up, and the first person would whisper something in the ear of the person directly beside them. And then that person would whisper that same thing to the next person and so on and so forth. And it never fails that by the time it gets to the end of the line, it is something completely different than what the original person said. Why is that important for pretty much every episode I've been doing? Um, Is that we have to remember that from a biblical standpoint, and even from a scientific standpoint, science also can trace people back to origin points and whatnot. Um, There is a common point, right? There is a time when everyone was in the same culture. There were not seven different continents with six of them having people living on them, plus you know, vastly different cultures and tribes on every continent, different countries and states within countries and all of these things that make us very unique and very different. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, as you go back in time, you start going to points where they didn't have the internet, they didn't have phones. And so people were more disconnected in terms of, like, obviously you would have people in you know, America back in the 1800s were not seeing what was happening in China. Like it wasn't like something happened. If something happens right now in China, it'll 
likely be on the news. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not the best example, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it's very easy for us to see what's happening, whether people leak things to Facebook or whether it's broadcast for us to see purposefully, like, cultures and ideas spread through our current technologies. But if you go back in time, that wasn't the case. But if you keep going back even further, you start going back to connected points because there was a time when all of mankind lived in what we call the Middle East today. This is going back towards Noah. And so from a Christian standpoint, there was a time when Noah and his family were the only people left. There was a great flood. Noah built the ark. He and his wife, his three sons and their wives all boarded the ark. They were spared and they repopulated the earth. So first and foremost, each of them, all eight people who survived the flood, they all experienced the same event. But it doesn't mean that if you heard the story from each of them, you would get exactly the same story. And I'm pointing that out. Um, I'm going to link a video in the show notes um, and in the description boxes and all of that that I found really interesting. It talks, it's, the video itself is really about paying attention, but it also talks about how our brains work in processing information, how we filter out information. And um, a lot of the things they talk about, um, I mean, you may not necessarily see how it ties in directly as your watch, you know, as the beginning starts out. But the key is that we process information differently. And you'll see this even in court cases where they don't really want to allow eyewitness testimony because, you know, we're not necessarily paying attention to the same things. Um, Our personal experiences color how we perceive things. So at the at the end of the flood, when they're repopulating the earth, how Noah conveys information, Noah would have conveyed certain information to his sons. He would have said, God came to me and said X, Y, Z. And then, you know, Shem and Ham and Japheth, his sons, they would have had their own experiences as well and their own, um, I don't know, ideologies about what happened, but they would also be sharing this information with their kids. And then their kids may pass that down to their kids and so on and so forth. And as the as each generation is passing it down to the next generation, people are also spreading across the world. So as they get further and further, like think about it like this. Um, so Noah tells his three sons, they're all getting it from the same source and they all lived through it. But now Shem is telling his sons. While Shem is telling his sons what happened, you know, his brother Ham is telling his sons what happened. And they may have slightly different versions of the events, but Uncle Shem is down the street from Uncle Japheth and Uncle Ham, right? So possibly, you know, their kids are sharing the different versions across each other and able to hear like, oh, well, you know, uncle so-and-so said this and uncle so-and-so said that. And then they're making their own formulations about what they believe actually happened. As this keeps spreading, people are going to get further and further apart. So now 
you have like the the Shemites or the Hamites or the Jephthites, and they're all kind of clustered together. So they're really only hearing their version of the event. So then you're going to start getting um, specific things. So whatever changed over here is going to stay that way without the correction of this narrative over here or whatever. Um, And that's when you start to see distinct things forming, but they're still staying with people. Every group still has the same story and it's slightly changing for each group. And that's why no matter what continent you go to, you're getting some version of this flood story. Now, of course, as a Christian, I am biased and I believe that the preserved story is told through Moses' depiction of what happened to Mo to Mo uh, can't talk through Moses' depiction of what happened to Noah. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Too many long O sounds in there. (laughs) Um, That is my bias because I am a Christian. And more than likely, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are too. But in case you are not, I am still trying to give all of the information. But I'm just warning you that as a Christian, there's going to be bias in what I say. Nonetheless, I will be linking sources um, and I will definitely be linking uh, names and I will write them out in the uh, show notes and everything so that you can look up these stories and look up the the uh, people involved in the stories because I'm definitely going to butcher names. So I want you to be able to get that information and make your own conclusions and all of that. But I just, I find it very interesting, again, that this is one more thing that mankind seems to know collectively as something that happened. And I find the similarities and even some of the differences to be really interesting. So I wanted to talk about them. Now, there are so many, we cannot talk about them all. I will list as many as I can, or I will at least link uh, list references to them. Um, but we're only going to talk about a subset of them because we will be here forever if we try to go through them all. So let's start with the most famous and the most famous flood story, you know, aside from the one found in the Bible, um, is that of the Epic of Gilgamesh. Wait, pause. Before we go to the Epic of Gilgamesh, I do want to insert a note that, um, the Abrahamic faiths, I think, I think they're in perfect agreement. Don't quote me on the perfect agreement, but of course, Judaism and Christianity share the belief in Noah. We're quoting the same story from Genesis from the Old Testament. Um, I'm fairly certain that Islam also recognizes the story of Noah and they also believe Noah and the flood and that he, um, you know, built the ark, saved the animals, him and his three sons. I'm not sure if there are any slight changes in the details, um, but for general purposes sake, all three Abrahamic religions follow Noah and the ark. I just wanted to add that um, before we go on to other things. So the Epic of Gilgamesh. The Epic of Gilgamesh is a Sumerian tale. Now, what makes it interesting is it is the closest to Noah's Ark, but Sumer, Sumeria, that's also the region 
in which um, Abraham and his descendants actually sprang forth out of. So the Shemites came out of that area. Abraham was from Ur. Ur was from Mesopotamia, Sumeria, Mesopotamia are all kind of in the same area, which means that um, it, it just makes more sense, like like location-wise, that their story would be closer to Noah's Ark because they were in such close proximity to each other. It it just makes sense that things wouldn't have changed quite as much because they were interacting with each other on the regular. So the Sumerian t- tale is of a king called Gilgamesh. When he's like 126, uh, I think it's one of his friends or a close confidant, someone dies. And he gets kind of paranoid about death. He doesn't want to die. So he starts seeking out immortality. And in his quest for immortality, he finds this man. um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. But he finds this man who is said to be immortal. And this man is said to have been immortal. He was granted immortality by um, the Sumerian version of God. And the reason is because he was obedient and built a boat, a ship that was called the Preserver of Life. He brought animals on this ship and he survived a worldwide flood. Obviously, we see the the similarities. Basically, this immortal man has very similar characteristics to Noah and the story follows basically the same concepts. What I think is very interesting about the Sumerian tale is that this this concept of immortality and of this guy who survived being immortal. And then you combine this with the fact that um, Gilgamesh is like 126. Before the flood, people were living outrageously long lifespans, okay? People were like 900 and something when they died. I think the youngest person to die before the flood died at like 700 and something, which is still outrageous. In contrast, after the flood, the lifespan of people starts to shorten drastically. So you have Noah. um, I can't remember exactly how long Noah lives, but starting after that, you start to see people live for, you know, significantly shorter lives down until you get into like Abraham. Um, At this point, people are living to like 120. And so it's interesting because we see Gilgamesh as being like 126, which is which would probably be on par with Abraham's generation or the generation right before Abraham. If you study genealogy in the Bible, which I know a lot of people find boring, but personally, I find it fascinating, um, especially when you start mapping the different groups to locations and understanding how that fits into other parts of the Bible, seeing how different nations pop up from different people and how the relationships between these nations match the relationships between the people, etc., etc. When you start doing that, you you're able to make timelines and see who was alive with whom when whom was born and stuff like that. And it's really interesting because um, because some of these people had these outrageously long lifespans, they were alive during 
other people's lifespans that you would not suspect. So for instance, Shem was still alive when Abraham, I think when Abraham was born. Noah was not alive, but Shem was. So if you go back like one generation or, you know, two, two generations, then Noah probably was still alive. So for this Gilgamesh character, this person that he found that they were calling immortal would literally be ancient. And it's very possible that other people are born and dying during his lifespan because he's from the old world or the pre-flood world where people had these long lifespans. And it would seem that God had bestowed upon him immortality because he would also have outlived his entire family. He has no mother, he has no father. Um, No one has ever seen his mother or father. No one saw him grow up, right? He was just always there. So this, it's easy to see how this can turn into like a legend of someone being immortal, right? And so I think it's interesting because it's very possible that this, this immortal man who survived the flood in the Sumerian tale, even though he has a different name, it's very possible that this is a reference to Noah, um, maybe one of his sons, but most likely Noah, and they're just calling him something different. And that doesn't seem that odd either when you consider language changes and things like that. Also, even here, like we, I have an uncle, um, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to use real names on here because I haven't gotten permission. So let's just say I have an uncle that I called John, okay? I have Uncle John. And when I got into like high school, I found out that Uncle John's real name is actually William, Obviously, those are not the real names. But my point is, like, I had been calling my uncle this name. Everyone calls him this name. And it has nothing to do with his real name. It's not like, you know, it's not like somebody named, you know, Michael and you call them Mike. It's, you know, it's not even like, you know, a Charles that you're calling Chuck. It's, it's literally not tied to anything. It's, it's literally based on a show that he watched as a child that he liked and so they started calling him you know the name of the character in this show and it has nothing to do with his name so similarly i completely understand how different people can call people different things and so it 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 doesn't strike me that odd that we have name changes across these two stories but nonetheless i've spent a lot of time talking about the elk the epic of gilgamesh which is something you guys may have already been familiar with anyway. So let's keep it moving. Let's go to the other side of the world. Let's come over to South America or Central America. My geography is a little fuzzy right now. I think, I wanna think we're in South America, but we might be in Central America. We're going to talk about the Aztecs, okay? So the Aztecs also have a flood story. Um, And it's quite different than um, the Abrahamic story, but there is something in it that I think is very, very interesting. So in the Aztec story, there is a man and a woman. The man is warned by the Aztec god Titlacan. Don't quote me on that pronunciation, but 
He warns them that there's going to be a great flood and he seals them in a cypress tree for their protection while the flood is happening. Now, before he seals them in the into this tree, he gives them a command and he tells them that they can only eat maize. Um, I'm not so sure what was special about the maize, but he tells them they can only eat maize. And, you know, they agree. They go into the tree. He seals them up. The flood happens. In this version of the flood, the people do not die. Um, the other people, the people who are not in the tree, instead they're turned into fish. And so when the flood is over, you know, the two, the man and the woman emerge from the tree. And again, remember, they're only supposed to eat maize, but they choose to disobey this instruction and they decide to eat fish, which at this point is now cannibalism because all of the people are actually now fish. So they're basically eating a person. They just think that they're eating a fish. And um, so the, the Aztec god gets upset that they have broken their promise not to eat anything other than the maize. And he punishes them by turning them into dogs. And somehow from that, the earth's, like the cycle of the earth starts over. So it's, it's different. Um, in this version, of course, people are not dying in mass. It's I feel like it's kind of closer to um, Eastern mythology about like reincarnation, even though they're not really, I don't know if you would consider that reincarnation, but they're like, I see it kind of like as people being demoted to fish um, instead of, of them just dying. They just, it's not like life was taken from them. They just were no longer humans. But what I find very interesting is this command about only eating the maize and then them being punished for eating the fish. This is reminiscent of the Garden of Eden, right? The only thing that, that Adam and Eve were told was don't eat the, from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was something about consuming things, things that you're not supposed to consume. Um, and I've, I've touched on this, I know on my blog, I don't know if I've talked about it much on the podcast, but what you consume is very important. Whether it's what you're eating, whether it's what you're listening to, what you're watching, um, what you're consuming directly affects you psychologically, emotionally, physically. And it, it, I mean, if you eat crap, you will feel like crap. I know because sometimes I eat crap, but when I eat great, I feel great. You can, I can tell the difference. And the older I get, the more I can tell the difference. I could eat certain things as a child and not notice quite as bad as I do now as an adult. But like greasy things, I just feel like I'm going to die afterwards. But I could eat like leafy green vegetables all day, every day. And I have tons of energy. The same thing, like certain shows, like you veg out on these shows and my brain is dead. It is fried. I can't think straight. I can't come up with good ideas. Um, but other things, like even like academic things, educational things, in the moment, it, it doesn't necessarily feel relaxing. But afterwards, I have inspiration for like art. I have inspiration for writing. Like I feel energized to do things. There's just a different consequence to it and it, you'll see this pattern in your music and everything else 
And so I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I understand why God had specifications about what we consume. Um, and I think it's interesting that this aspect went into the flood story as well um, for the Aztecs. Because it's still a statement about obedience, which was a key thing in the Abrahamic story. It's also a, a, a statement of what you consume, which is also a key theme in the Abrahamic faiths. So I thought that was interesting that that, that key little nugget of truth stayed um, even into the Aztec story, despite how different it is otherwise. So... Let's keep going and let's come back to the Greeks. Now, I did not research the Roman side of things because in most ways, uh, the Romans just stole everything. The Romans were stealing everything. Um, But I don't want to go off on that tangent. Uh, Roman mythology is basically a carbon copy of Greek mythology. There's almost an exact one-to-one match where, you know, like, Jupiter and Zeus are the same person. Aries and Mars are like the same person. So I I don't know if the Roman version of events is a, 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 an exact parallel to the Greek story. Um, it's very possible. I don't know if the Romans even have a story about the flood. I didn't really research it. I stopped with the Greeks. So um, the Greek story is that Zeus is the angry God that is punishing mankind. And Zeus goes to uh, Deucalion, Deucalion, Decalion. Not sure how you pronounce that. Again, like I said, definitely not an expert in pronunciation. But he was the son of Prometheus. And uh, he asks this, this son of Prometheus to build an ark for him and his wife. So... The guy does what Zeus has told him to. And in this version of events, the flood is only nine days long. Now, this is drastically different from the uh, the story of Noah, where it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the flood waters are like on the earth for like 150 days. Noah's in the ark for like a year before he comes out. Um, drastically different. But in the Greek version, the flood only lasts for nine days and the world is still destroyed. Now, in the aftermath of the flood, the ark lands on Mount Parnassus. And when the waters recede, um, the guy and the guy and his wife come off of the ark. They offer a sacrifice to Zeus, and then they ask Zeus how they should repopulate the earth. Zeus tells them to throw stones over their shoulder. Um, And then when the man throws stones over his shoulder, they turn into men. And when the woman throws stones over her shoulder, they turn into women. And that is how the earth becomes repopulated, according to the Greeks. This is also interesting when you come into similarities, um, because, you know, Number one, you have an ark being built, obviously, but in this case, the ark is resting on Mount Parnassus. Um, from Noah's story, uh, I believe the mount—I believe it lands on—it lands on a mountain. 
I don't remember the name of the mountain right now. So sad. I just read this in preparation of this episode. I've already forgotten the mountain. Um, but Noah's Ark also lands on a mountain, uh, which, okay, in the grand scheme of things, it makes sense because the mountains would be the first things to appear as the water is receding. It would be hard to land in a valley because that would be the last thing to appear. So it does make sense that people are landing on mountains, but it's interesting that this is something that's pointed out in the story um, because it's not like, I don't know. I just, I don't know that I would take care to be like, yeah. And when they emerged, they landed on Mount Fuji or Mount Kilimanjaro or whatever, Mount Rushmore, where, wherever, whatever mountain it is. Um, I'm not sure I would have taken note unless there was something special about that mountain. Um, to be honest, if everything in the world is flooded, I'm not sure I would even know what mountain it was that I was landing on to be able to articulate it. So I think it's interesting that um, in many stories, we'll see there are other stories where they land on a mountain. Um, But I thought it was interesting that that key point is still there. And then again, the sacrifice, Noah offers a sacrifice to God as soon as the floodwaters recede. And this person is offering some sort of sacrifice to Zeus. Um, And then there's still the issue of repopulating the earth. Now, one thing I would like to point out here, um, one of the things about the Bible that a lot of people feel uncomfortable about, people don't generally talk about, is that incest happens in the Bible. There are verses in Leviticus that talk about incest and talk about what is considered incest and what should not be done. However, prior to that verse, you will find many examples of incest. The most obvious one being Abraham, who marries his half-sister, Sarah, um, which is clearly incest. So, but people don't generally talk about it. And because people don't talk about it, and incest is very taboo in every, in every race, in every religion, in every culture, um, there, like people start to get confused about certain things. So for instance, I hear a lot of people will be like, Adam and Eve had three sons, one died. So how did, like, where did Cain and Abel's wives come from? Well, if you go back and read Genesis 5, you will see that Adam and Eve had sons and daughters. They had sons and daughters. So Cain and Abel's wives were their sisters, or I don't think Abel had a wife. I don't know if he did or not, but Cain and Seth's wives were definitely their sisters. And any children that they had, they would have had to marry their their first cousins because everybody else would have been of their, you know, of, of their, their aunt and uncle's children and things like that. So yes, incest was happening. Noah and his family got on the ark. You had, you know, three brothers and the, the, their three wives, they would have had kids and their kids either would have intermarried with each other, which would have been, uh, them marrying their first cousins. Um, or they would have married their own brothers and sisters. Um, the Abrahamic faith 
is not straying from the fact that incest did occur and had to occur for us to all come from the same point of origin. Now, personally, again, this is interpretation. This is personal thought. This is not something that is explicitly stated in the word of God. Personally, I think that what happened is that when God created mankind, mankind was perfect. We had perfect genes and we had uh, perfect ability. So at that point, I think incest did not have the effect that it has today. Um, and I say that because the from a scientific standpoint, incest is an issue with the DNA and the genetics and like not like mixing the same genetics, right? Like you need diversity in your genes. But the reason I think we need that diversity is because our genetic makeup is deteriorating because of sin. And the reason I take this stance is because we see this with how, like for instance, the lifespan shifted between the time before the flood and after the flood, right? There are certain things that I think, and, and just in general, sin, the wages of sin are is death, right? And if you look at a lot of the things God tells us not to do, um, even looking at the laws that were given to the Israelites, certain things like God telling us not to be promiscuous, right? Res restricting sex to a marriage and to um, monogamy and, you know, exclusive relationships when you go out and just sleep with any and everybody, that's how STDs spread, right? If everybody in the world was doing things on the up and up and nobody was out here sleeping with any and everybody, then it would be very hard for STDs to spread, right? These types of things like you can look and see like, oh, okay, so that, that actually does have an effect on our health. Right. If we were eating only wholesome food, because remember when the fall happened, the earth was cursed, too. Right. Our food is cursed. Um, and so like but and then we start taking shortcuts because of greed. We start pumping things in, GMOing things and all this other stuff. So that's also affecting our health. And so we're, we're basically degenerating. Like I know we go to school and they teach you evolution and they say we're evolving and it sounds like we're getting better, but we're not. We're devolving um, because of sin. And we're the, the deception is that it's better because we're more self-sufficient or something like that. But actually we're degenerating. And I think as man degenerated, it became problematic for close relations to produce viable children. And that's why then God steps in and is like, yo, don't do that. Don't, don't do that because that's going to cause a problem. Before then, I think that's why he may have allowed it or maybe because it was special, a special occasion or a special circumstance. Um, but you'll see in a lot of the other stories those cultures try to get around the concept of incest. And so they started making up other things for how the earth got repopulated. It wasn't incest. They threw stones over their shoulders and then those people popped up into human beings, right? This is how they get around the, the, the problem of there being incest and everybody coming from this incestuous 
uh, origin point. They're not the only people who tried to get around this this way. Another story, we're not going to go too deep into it because it's very different than um, the the Abrahamic version, but it is kind of similar to the Greeks and it does use a technique to get away from incest. And that one of the techniques is actually very interesting because it does have callbacks to the biblical account of mankind. So in China, you also have a a, a god that gets, uh, that, that there. well, he's not really angry. He's actually, he gets captured and then some, some kids free him and in gratitude, he tells them about this flood that's happening. Though I assume the reason this flood was happening is that somebody was angry in the beginning. Um, interestingly in China, this God that is the main character, I guess the divine being in the story is also a thunder God like Zeus. I want to think Zeus is the God of like lightning and thunder or something like that. Um, so there is a similarity there. Um, but again, once they survive this cataclysmic flood and everyone is dead, now you have a brother and a sister that survived at least in most other stories you have a husband and a wife so you know it's there's something to be said there but now you have a brother and a sister just straight off um being the only people left and so they actually ended up with kind of different versions of the tale which also makes sense especially because china is a very large and populous country um and so people tell three different versions of how these this brother and sister repopulated the earth. The one that is very interesting is in one case, they say that they made people out of clay. Now, if you remember in Genesis, God created man and woman out of the dust of the earth. And some people think of that as clay. You see him sculpting human beings out of the dirt or out of the clay out of the soil of the earth and so i think it's interesting because that does that's that's a direct callback to genesis just like in the aztec story where you have something that you can see where that influence could have come from the original genesis accounts from the original um people things that were passed down here in China, again, we have this notion that all of the people are created from the dust of the earth or from the clay. Um, it's just in this case, they're saying this happened after this worldwide flood. So I thought that was interesting. Um, of course, there is also a Hindu version of the story. Um, the Hindu version also deals with fish. So Again, uh, Hinduism, Hinduism is widely practiced, I think, in uh, India. I mean, I know it's practiced in India, but I, I'm saying I think because I'm not sure where else it is widely practiced. Um, but I think it's pretty focused into India, maybe going into some of the countries that are nearby India. Nonetheless, it's pretty far away from the Aztecs. And yet in this story, um, it is a fish that does the warning about the flood. And whether the fish is a deity or not, I couldn't really figure out. Um, I, I saw some confusion about that. But 
um, it there's basically some kind of fish that is warning a man about this. In this case, the man that survives the flood does not take a wife with him. But like the story in the Bible, this man does offer a sacrifice to the fish or to the ocean after he survives the flood. Uh, like I said, these sacrifices are very common. And from I think from the sacrifice, basically a woman arises from the ocean and that is who he repopulates the earth with. So again, we have, um, you know, some way of figuring out how mankind is repopulating the earth. But there's this notion of a fish being involved. I'm, I'm, I just think it's interesting. Um, that's pretty much all of the, the similarities that exist there. It was a little more different, I guess, than the, the, the Noah's account. Um, there's also a concept in Buddhism. Um, this one deals with like dishonest carpenters. I thought it was interesting that they were carpenters considering that the Messiah was also a carpenter. Not to draw parallels between them here, but just I just thought it was interesting that it would be carpenters that are the ones who are dishonest um, in the Buddhist version of events. But again, people are behaving wickedly. Um, the, at least the carpenters are. They get booted from their village because of their behavior. They end up on an island. They anger the spirits of that island. And, you know, this and that happens. But eventually there's a flood. Some people survive and some people don't. Um, in this case, you know, um, in this case, of course, you have, you know, a localized situation. It's not a grand flood, but there is still a story about a flood. It still has to do with disobedience. The reason the spirits are angry is because these carpenters don't obey a rule that they're given. Um, and so I think... Again, like the core point of these uh, narratives is still the same thing and you still see a lot of similarities across them. Um, one more that I definitely want to talk about before we end the episode is the Norse version. I wanted to point it out because it is the only one where the earth is not flooded with water. The earth is flooded with blood, which sounds really, really disgusting and really, really bad. But in this version of events, um, there is basically some kind of war between Odin, who is a Norse god in Norse mythology, and some giant. And in the aftermath, like they kill him and it's the giant's blood that flood the earth and you know, for some reason, a couple seems to know about this. They make an arc and they save themselves. Um, the reason I did want to talk about this is because it's interesting. Number one, that they're fighting a giant. Um, the Bible does talk about giants and the first mentioning of giants actually occurs in Genesis 6 when you start talking about the flood. It talks about the fact that they were on the earth before and after the flood. And um, I, I think it's interesting, again, that the Norse mythology incorporates a giant into this narrative about it and I think the fact that the earth is um, flooded 
with blood is interesting because I've heard people quote something about the the blood running. Um, I th- something about prophecy. I didn't get a chance to dig into this because it's been a really crazy week. You guys already know, hence the podcast episode being super late um, and not having any uh, video of myself in uh, for the the YouTube portion. Um, it's just, you know, it's been one of those weeks. So I didn't get to uh, dig into this the way I would like so that I could give you a Bible verse here. I will try to get around to finding that Bible verse before I post the show notes so that I can direct you there. But I definitely remember one of my friends quoting something about the blood, you know, piling, like being deep or something um, from like a from like a prophetic standpoint, um, flashing forward to the final end, the, the last time God destroys the earth right before he creates the new earth. And so I thought it was interesting that in this version of events, there is this this concept of of blood being what floods the earth. Of course, we know that God is not going to flood the earth um, in the final days. But I did think that this concept, the fact that possibly a concept of blood spilling to create like a river or some body of water, um, I thought that was interesting. So I did want to point that out as well. Um, and that, and of course, the fact about the giants. Now, there are countless other versions. There are versions from the First Nations here in the United States. There are versions from the Aborigines in Australia. Um, I'm pretty sure there are even more versions than the ones that I was able to find. But these are some of the ones that stood out to me and some of the ones that were, I guess, the easiest to find. So I wanted to share them with you and to remind you that, yeah, there is a little nugget of truth that always is preserved. And I think that, you know, God wanted us to know that there was a flood at some point and that a lot of people died. And, um... You know, we had to talk about the flood at some point because it is the most common, most common, common knowledge statement we could talk about. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you something to think about. Um, And as always, feel free to leave me comments, suggestions, all of those things. Like, subscribe, share with your friends, and I will see you guys next week in a more timely fashion, I promise. Bye, guys.